All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. It's Terry Lynn here with Travis Marziani, my co-host, and today we're going to talk about six tips to grow your revenue in 2015. So Travis, what's going on, man? Well, one really cool thing, uh, the other week I was talking about how revenue's been down a little bit and you know, talking a little bit about how we're trying to figure out how we're basically gonna be able to make money for the, the summer because it's kind of a lean month. And a listener out there actually reached out to me and offered to sell our, basically sell our dancewear on Amazon for us. And we'll talk more about this in the episode, but that was uh, really cool. I was really happy that a listener actually reached out and like we were able to do business together. And I think that's one of the really cool parts about being part of a podcast. Nice. And you did you do Amazon on yourself before or what was... So I do some Amazon on my own. The problem is we don't... Right now, like I said, money's kind of tight. I don't want to do the FBA. And to do Amazon right, you need to do the FBA. And for those that don't know, the FBA, you need to send in like inventory and they hold it until they sell it. And it takes a while before you get the money. So it was cool for him to come along and say, hey, I think I can solve your problem and promote your brand at the same time. So and all those fees, man, those fees eat, eat you alive. Yeah, I think I just wanted to focus a little bit. Like my mind is in 20 different directions and Amazon, I think to do it correct, you need to really focus on Amazon. And it, you know, he's somebody that that's all he does is sell on Amazon. So I figured he'd be, a good, he'd be able to promote the brand. And at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? It's, I look at it is if people like what, they buy from us, they'll come back and they'll associate our brand with good quality and just spreading the name, basically. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, this past week I got a couple orders interesting for multiple orders from the same person. So some guy bought three wallets, another guy bought two. Uh, so it was kind of interesting. And they already had bought wallets before, so it was kind of interesting to see that, uh, to see them buy more from me. Is, I'm curious, I actually I have to ask, you said something about the entrepreneur.com becoming a contributor, contributing author account can we get yeah, into that so so in the past few months um there's an editor also at entrepreneur.com who's been reaching out to me to kind of like you know help their writers with uh, some e-commerce articles like can you just you know provide some tips here and there like how does this work and so as a source uh, one thing i was doing was from a kickstarter i was like hey i should get on these press things you know early on right so i was like hey do you know any editors that are writing crowdfunding articles. You know, I could probably write something there as I launched my campaign. And she referred me to this other lady. Uh, and then I basically wrote a post uh, last week. It was a four, t four reasons to crowdfund versus self-fund your product idea. And then basically she posted that. And then they gave me an account on their back end where I can just kind of write articles, submit it, and then uh, the editor approves it. It'll go live basically. So, um, you know, maybe in the future we can write something about listeners, things like that, and kind of see it from there. But the also cool thing is, I want to take this and leverage it to like Forbes and like Inc and have like a whole network of like these kind of kind of just big cannons I can just launch if I need like some press coverage and certain things and then use that. Yeah, I'm jealous. I'm going to I'm going to try to sneak my way into entrepreneur.com as well. Yeah, exactly. So but I think like these things I think you can just pitch editors, but usually if you have some in like cuz I knew this editor for like 3 months already and I've helped him with like three articles. It was really easy to be like, "Hey, do you have anyone else that could use someone like me or can I contribute an article?" Blah, 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 right? And the thing to understand is like these websites now, like Forbes, entrepreneur.com, whatever, Inc., they used to, like the quality kind of has changed over the years. I don't know why. I think it's because they're playing the ad revenue game now where they just need as much content as possible to get the most hits. And then that way they can sell more ads, essentially, which is why you see all these articles, they're churning like 10 articles a day, if not more too. So I think they can use more eyeballs, and especially if you have like an audience, uh, you know, they'll take you too because you can drive more people to their site for page views and all that. It's going really well. So 
every month I try to do the dance of the month competition. You know, I, I post all the photos of people that have sent their photos of themselves wearing our dance where I post it to our Facebook, send them a link and say, Hey, tell all your friends uh, to like your photo and whoever gets the most likes will win dancer of the month. And one of the dancers has 150 likes. Her photo has 12 shares. And interestingly enough, during this week, this last week I've had close to a hundred likes on my page and a typical week for us is like seven to 10. So a lot of them for sure came from people that liked her page or liked her little post. And then it was like, Hey, what's this be dance for thing? Oh my God. I like it. You know? So how do you get people to send you their photos first? Do you, like, is it like right after they order something? You ask them, Hey, by the way, you can submit your photo to get dance for the month or how does that work? I do it about a month afterwards or so. So I make sure it's long enough afterwards that they've received their stuff. And I've actually recently created like a funnel. So about a week after they order from us, they are introduced into the funnel. And about a week or about a month after that, we send them the, hey, please be our dancer of the month. Here's all the cool things you can win email. Gotcha. And you're playing off the fact that they want to get recognized, essentially, with, uh, among the That community. and, I mean, free stuff. Like we're, we're actively working on like a cool kit that we can send them. And one of the, like a lot of the stuff will have our brand logo on it. So it's going to be like a, a dance bag where we put their name and the bdancer.com logo. So something that always has been interesting to me is like, what can you give people that they won't throw away? So for instance, if you give someone a pen, they might throw it away. If you give someone a bag with your name on it, they might throw it away. But if you give something a bag with their name on it, and your name on it, it's hard to throw something away with your name on it that you want as a gift, you know? So, yeah, especially if you got it as like, you know, being Dance of the Month or something special built around that. Even though it's just like a Facebook post, but there's a sentimental value that's hard to throw yeah, away. Yeah, and we're going to make it a pink bag. Um, we're trying to figure out the exact shade of pink, but pink, it'll be pink, which is, it's going to stand out. And already it sounds like, you know, if she has 150 people that have liked her photo on Facebook, most of her friends probably know about her winning this dancer of the month. So it's going to kind of reinforce it, you know, for months afterwards that, Hey, there's this site online you should buy from. Yeah. And you know, she's going to make a post about her bag too, when she gets it also on all her channels, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatever kids use these days. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, last tip for me, uh, I'm going to Singapore for a quick visa run April 19th, uh, to April 20th around, um, just one day. So I sent an email to a couple of listeners in Singapore, but in case I missed you, uh, reach out to me, Terry at BillMyOnlineStore.com. I think we'll do a quick coffee on Sunday uh, afternoon or maybe just beers. Uh, we're not really sure yet, but it's Sunday, uh, 419. I land around 10 a.m. and then the afternoon, evening uh, is kind of free. So I'm going to meet up, uh, shoot me an email, and then, yeah, let's get into this week's episode. Uh, the first tip, uh, Instagram direct messaging. Yeah, so this is something I actually I was told about uh, a friend, like an, an entrepreneur that I met up with actually in Singapore when I was there before, he was talking about how he uses Instagram. And one thing that he would do was send direct messages, which I guess is really rare on Instagram. Most people don't use this feature. So you send a direct message to another user on Instagram and he would say something to the nature of, hey, I, I really love your photos. You know, I have this brand. Can I send you like a free product? And when he would do that, of course, these people that are obsessed with Instagram and you'd only do it with people in the like 50 to 100,000 followers range, or I forget the exact numbers, but it was basically enough where it makes sense to do it, but not so much that they get free stuff all the time. So it's those people that don't get free stuff usually, but they have a big following. 
And of course, when they get the stuff, they put a picture of it on Instagram and say, hey, everybody, look at this cool new you know, bag I got from B Dancewear. Yeah, because there's, there's guys that like the big makeup guys who basically get stuff thrown at them. And if you're going to target them, you gotta, probably got to pay them a huge chunk too to do like a post. Instagram actually isn't something we're using at all right now. The funny thing is, I think we posted one photo on there and we have 20 followers. Um, and I think it's just people that know about our brand and they're like, hey, I wonder if B-Dancer is on Instagram. Oh, they are. Like, I'm going to follow them. So that's kind of a cool sign to me that we don't use it at all and we have 20 followers. Yeah, one thing I realized is that I've done one or two paid posts on Instagram. Um, they tend to range from like 10 to 25. I think the big ones can go up to like $50 a post. And basically you can tell if they have their email in the bio uh, they're open to like taking paid posts uh, essentially and whether or not it's worth it uh, it's up to you you can try giving a free sample or just doing a paid post i mean depending on your cost you know if you're if you're giving a sample cost like you know 40 bucks and the paid post is only like 15 you might as well just do the paid post essentially and also some of these channels you got to make sure under engagement before you do a paid post because there's a lot of these kind of fashion accounts where their whole purpose is to get these paid posts, but their engagement levels are pretty low in the sense that like, you know, no one's commenting on photos, no one's really liking stuff. It's just kind of like a bot thing. Um, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yep. Alrighty, so next one, YouTube pre-roll advertising. So this is another tip I heard about from my secret underground organizations where I know all these entrepreneurs, but basically on YouTube, you see those pre-roll advertisements uh, before you watch a YouTube video and, and like the corner says, skip now. Well, from what I've heard, and I haven't personally tested this either, if you put up an ad and someone skips it before the 30 seconds and obviously doesn't click on your, on your ad, then you don't get charged. So one thing that you could potentially do is basically put up a really boring video that says something like, do you want to save money on dancewear? click here and just like, of course, people are either going to skip it or click on it. So it's not going to go all the way to the 30 seconds because so, you don't want to get charged for that all the way to the 30 seconds because um, if it goes to 30 seconds, you get charged the full amount. And if they click on it, I believe you get charged too. So it's a good way to kind of limit your costs. So you just have like a static image that doesn't change. So either they click it or they go away because it was like a boring ad video. Like uh, I always skip that. Yeah. So I think it, it need, it need to be something with like a very distinct call to action. Like, Hey, are you looking for dancewear in 200 plus colors? Click here. And then like, just kind of stare at them and be like, wait, you haven't clicked yet. Why haven't you clicked yet? So, I mean, it's basically just, I haven't fully done this yet. It's a way to kind of hack the system because you either want to get clicks or nothing. You don't want to get people watching your 30 second video Unless you're like a really big brand. I mean, if you're McDonald's, that's great because you want brand awareness. But if you're a small company, you want click-through rates. Yeah. What if you did like a video like, hey, uh, this video is brought to you by whatever, as if you were the actual sponsor and then just run ads as that. I guess that could work too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, in general, I think YouTube advertising is something that a lot of people aren't thinking about. And I... It's something I want to hit hard because a lot of our competitors have channels. YouTube advertising is pretty cheap. I mean, they, they have more inventory than they can sell. So they make it cheap. So we move on from YouTube. Um, are you putting product videos on there or your like content videos or what? what's the strategy right now you have? So my own YouTube, the Be Dancer YouTube channel itself actually is just we're, we're going to do this whole thing and I probably shouldn't talk too much about it, but it's basically like we already released some videos. So basically anybody that's looking to do something in the dance field with dance wear, basically 
we want to make a video for them. And I think that's what a lot of people, including myself, use YouTube as. It's like, all right, I can either click on a website and watch or read a big long thing, or I can watch a video and be slightly entertained and get like the information spoon fed to me. So I think you got to know your audience, you know? Yeah. And so in terms of your site, are you using YouTube for your product videos on like a product page or are you using... Oh, on the actual product pages, we haven't done any product videos yet. That's to come. I mean, I'm looking at doing videos on like uh, jazz pants. These are what jazz pants are. This is what you should look for when buying them. And if you're looking to buy some good jazz pants, go to bedancer.com. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I guess your, your stuff is made to order, so I guess if you have it on different... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's still... No, it still makes sense. We're still going to do that eventually because it makes sense in the sense of, to within a degree, the more information you can give someone, the more real you can make a product feel online to someone, the more likely they are to buy it. So if they can see multiple angles of a photo, if they can see a video, then they're more likely to buy it. And the way I always talk about it is, remember when eBay was a big thing and people... Yeah, some people would post just a thing saying, I'm selling a whatever a computer this is how much ram it has this is how much whatever it has and they wouldn't post a photo and then another po person would post you know that same thing but with like three photos of all the different angles i'm more likely to buy it with the person from a photo because it seems more real now if they were to add a video to that too it's like okay i, I can picture myself owning this thing so i do want to eventually add videos to my product pages now anyways all right so uh next tip having someone manage your amazon so I talked a little bit about this in the updates, but you know, I was one of the listeners reached out to me and I won't say his name, but thank you to that listener. He basically said, you know, I will manage your Amazon for you in the sense of there's certain items. Like he's not going to have all the items that we have in stock, but our most common selling ones, he's going to manage it. And the good thing about that is to do Amazon right, it takes a lot of work and it, it's... I mean, it's its own thing. Like there could be a podcast, and I'm sure there is, just about how to do Amazon. So I wanted to kind of focus on building the brand, building our e-commerce site, and not worry about Amazon. Let, let that be something that someone else can take care of. So obviously I'm making less money, but that's okay for right now. It's more money than I'd be making if I wasn't using his services, basically. Yeah, so basically you're paying him like a wholesale fee. He can do whatever he wants with the product and then kind of he gets the end sale, but you just get a wholesale order from him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the good thing is if I were to sell, send it in to Amazon myself, that would be money out of my pocket that I hope to eventually over time recoup where this way it's like, it's guaranteed money. And obviously I hope that he sells through everything so he can come back and buy more, but the risk is in his corner, which is nice, you know, for, yeah. and, and the headspace, you don't have to worry about your Amazon accounts, like getting, like, if you don't reply to someone, you get banned in like 24 hours, like all this weird stuff that kind of goes along with having an Amazon account. And too. on top of that, doing FBA is really nice. And we, we can't do that, like I said, but doing FBA is nice because of returns are all handled for you. Shipping's all handled for you. It's like, that's the Amazon kind of throws a wrench into our daily oper operations because we have the main website. We have a system on how we do everything. Amazon's kind of still a manual system for us. And I'm sure there's a better way to do it, but it, it hasn't made sense yet to put my thought and effort into figuring out how to automate more of Amazon just because by far more of our money comes in through the e-commerce channel and we get a bigger profit margin, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One thing kind of on Amazon on a tangent, we were talking to some friends here the other day. Uh, they were talking about review exchanges in the sense that now there's verified purchases and they have more waiting on Amazon. So one thing we're doing with some friends is that um, you can give a friend 99% discount code 
and then say, Travis, hey, I need a review on my wallet. Can you, you know, use this code, buy a wallet? I won't ship it to you, but just leave a review on Amazon uh, when they ask for it. And then I'll give you the review template and I'll give you a $10 gift card um, when you're done, just kind of as a reward. And I think some people have been doing that for new products to kind of get more visibility on them because the review system on Amazon has such heavy weighting too. So uh, kind of something we're thinking about too, uh, doing it as for the e-commerce mafia, for the build my online store guys. So if you guys have Amazon listings, you guys kind of are interested in just changing reviews. And it's not like, you know, we're, we're just giving fake reviews. You're actually having someone buy it, use a 99% discount code. So they do pay like one or $2, but you give them a gift card as kind of an incentive. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, do let us know. It kind of something would be worth trying out down the road too. Uh, yeah. I'll I'm definitely down to exchange some reviews with people. And, you know, the other thing to look at it as is if I'm talking with a person that I'm looking to exchange reviews with, I can tell, you know, is this person a legit person that has a good product? And if I get a weird feeling from them, I probably won't exchange reviews with them. So it's it's kind of not necessarily just a way to hack the system. It's a way to show buyers out there. These are good people. You know, you should buy from them. All right. So the next tip, uh, email referrals. Inside. So this one comes from uh, Noah Kagan last week. So I actually sent my email list uh, that bought wallets, uh, kind of their free referral thing. So I'll give you a free wallet um, for, you know, if you refer uh, custom orders. Uh, the email is subject free wallet, question mark. And then, hey guys, I'm looking to build out the custom business of this wallet business. Uh, if you guys know anyone that could use custom orders, whether for weddings, conferences, events, things like that with a custom order, uh, custom logo, branding, uh, let me know. And if the order goes through and they refer you, I'll give you a free wallet. And then so I had two guys email me saying, hey, you know, what's the minimum quality you're looking for? Uh, what can you do? And things like that. And then actually two people uh, bought from me again. So it's kind of cool. Uh, one guy bought two more wallets, uh, kind of just because he already had one. He really liked it. So he bought another one plus uh, a travel wallet. So it's kind of cool. I guess the lesson is that um, you're not emailing your list enough, and if you're going to do it, uh, you can build in some referrals, especially if people that have bought from you already, to get them to kind of do the marketing for you too. That's interesting. So I'd love to use that. I'll, actually, I want your thoughts on this. So what I'd love to do is email people and say, hey, if you get your dance studio to order from us, you know, we'll give you a free pair of shorts or whatever. Uh, the only thing I'm, I'm wondering is, if they say like, what if it's uh, someone that, whose dance studio already does order from us, or if I accidentally email a dance studio, any ideas on like how I could get around that? So you're saying if, if you send this out and they've already bought from you. Yeah. So if I send it. Oh, so you're saying like. It'd be the equivalent if you sent out a, uh, an email saying like, Hey, I guess it's a little bit different for you. Cause I expect repeat buyers. So if I send an email out to a dance studio and who's already bought in from us and say, Hey, if you get your dance studio to buy from us, we'll give you a free bear of booty shorts. Well, you just do it. We'll give you a customized bag of booty shorts with your name on it or something. Or I don't know. Oh yeah. yeah. You can personalize it a little bit, right? Then it's not just like a usual giveaway. It's like a incentivized giveaway where there's personalization a little bit. But I feel that once people that, I feel like no one's going to hate you for that. Cause you know, you're still giving them some kind of incentives, all the incentives, right. For them to kind of bring you referrals. Uh, why not? I mean, certainly every industry is going to be a little bit different, but I think the concept kind of works just as a human psychology. Thing. I guess I can also segment my email list and say, all right, anybody that's already bought in above, uh, you know, a hundred bucks, I'm not going to talk about the referral program. Anyone that's bought in under a hundred dollars, I'm going to say, Hey, uh, get your dance studio to buy from us. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Cause if the average order value, yeah, exactly. Cause you don't want to just refer a studio, have a, like I don't know, give a whole studio free stuff. That wouldn't really make sense. Yeah. So, uh, I mean the worst case is you send an email out, you know, no one refers and then you have some unsubscribe. It's like the worst case scenario, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Alrighty, so uh, last post, uh, roundup of possible retailers and wholesalers. 
Yeah. Okay. So this is, we've talked about it a little bit before, but I think it's something that a lot of people aren't doing. And it's basically kind of like I did the top 50 dance studios. Uh, you know, you could do the top 10, like, let's say you're in the natural foods, like, you know, selling, I don't know, organic, organic nuts or organic energy bars. Yeah. Organic energy bars. There you go. <laughs> let's say you're selling organic energy bars. One great thing you could do is like, you know, the top 15 uh, natural food stores in the United States. And like, don't talk about Whole Foods because that's, I mean, you could, I guess, but I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of good out of that. But if you talk about like all these like local like Ma and Pa shops or maybe even the top 50, whatever you want, then you tell all those places like, hey, you're on my top 50 list. Well, then hopefully they'll, they'll find out about your brand and then maybe some of them are interested in buying in bulk or whatever. Yeah, or you do like the top 50 farmer's markets or the top 50 mom and pop shops or top 50, I don't know, gyms that have the best healthy foods or something like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a top 50 smoothie shops. And I mean, there's all these things that people, I think, that have an e-commerce store don't think about. And, you know, when we say these kind of things, I feel like it's not, it's just to get juices flowing. I, I mean, it's not to give you the answer, but it's like, hey, what can I do? How can I get people to come to my site. That's the key, right? It's like, how do you get people to come to your site? It's the same thing with like an email. The key isn't, you don't think, how can I make them click? Your first thought is, how can I make them click on the email? Then the next step is like, how do I actually make them click through to my site? Um, so I think it's like the idea of segmenting. How do you get people to your site? Think about it like that. And I think a top 50 list, top 10 list, whatever, is a good way to get people to come to your site. Yeah, you do like top 50 fitness trainers, top 50 you know, fitness vloggers, top 50, whatever. There's all this stuff you can just, you just come up with any excuse and basically make a roundup post. Yeah, and I mean, and my whole point too is that if people are featured on a list, you're going to click on it. Like Terry, even if it's something, you know, really um, abstract, if someone says, hey, we featured you on this top 10 list of coolest people that live in Saigon, you're probably going to click on it. You might not stay there for a long time, but you'll at least click on the link and be like, what is this? And then, you know, maybe you'll back click, but then once you click on it, maybe that website captures your attention and you want to stay. Yeah. And the thing is to have that list big enough that out of those 50 people, you know, you'll have like 20 people that share it or something like that. And then it gets traction. Yeah. And then hopefully it goes viral, you know, or something like that. So this actually brings us to our next tip, which is also uh, spotlight marketing, right? So kind of, this is kind of a prelude to spotlight marketing where in the if you do a top 50 post it kind of gets you in the door and then after that you can ask for an interview and kind of do this whole process we've been talking about for the past few months too so uh, actually this roundup post strategy is actually kind of a bonus module in the spotlight marketing course which will be out uh, very soon uh, by the time you listen to this it's probably on the site already but it was funny right before we started this recording terry i looked at my analytics for both my blog and my website and I don't know if I should be happy or sad, but my blog has just as much, if not more organic traffic going to it. So like from Google search, going to my blog as Google search, going to my website. And part of me is like, oh, that's so awesome. You know, I got a ton of traffic for free going to my blog. And the other part of me is like, oh man, I wish all that traffic could be going to my website. But of course, doing it on the blog is the better way to do it because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to write content and then put it up on a website without seeming spammy. So by having the blog and specifically by interviewing people, it's just automatic, automatic traffic. It's so nice. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's just the higher part of the funnel. So it's naturally, 
you know, as long as you make that funnel bigger, there's more people that'll go to your site down the road. Yeah, and I was looking also like at some individual articles, like the recent articles we did. And it's funny because you can see who shares it and who doesn't because some articles will have like 40 views. And then the next one that was released, you know, a day after or whatever, will have 250 views. So it's like, you know, that person shared it on all their social media. And then maybe even some of the people that read it, like some of their friends shared it on their social media as well. And it's just really cool that, this one idea of interviewing people that are relevant in your industry can lead to so much just viral, even if it's small scale viral traffic to your website. Yeah, and if you look at like say 250 views, the amount of CPC you would pay to get those visitors to your website, um, you know, you just do a backhand calculation. It's pretty cool that it's free traffic. Yeah, 250 bucks. I mean, it's usually about a dollar a click for me. And these are pretty highly targeted people. You know, when you pay a dollar a click, on Google, they could be people that accidentally click on your thing that are searching for something totally unrelated. So that's been the coolest part about this for me. So I guess I'm just kind of excited. Yeah, and, and these guys probably might read old articles or whatever. They might browse around your site a little bit, you know, go to your store. At least, you know, they, now they have a connection because they have a friend that was featured on your blog that knows, you know, associated with your store too. So very long-term play here. I, I realize I don't even know if we need a writer because one of the earlier articles we did, it was an uh, interview with the Oregon dance team and we just posted the questions and answers because I was busy and I didn't want to find a writer. So I just did that really quickly. And it's, it's had over 1600 views. And a lot of them are people that come from the Oregon dance team's website over. Some of the people are from organic traffic, like they search Oregon dance team on Google and I don't know, 1,600 views of people that are interested in dance for free is pretty awesome. Yeah, so in the course, uh, we have a, two ways to kind of publish the content. Right? One is like you do a Q&A interview where it's like, question, you know, what is your proudest moment being a dancer or, or whatever your industry is? And then it's just A, right? It's like very vanilla kind of that way. Or the other way, which is what Travis kind of does, is he has a writer that turns it into a story. Like, hey, here's how they got started. You know, here's what's special about them. Uh, here's how they, you know, trying to train the dancers, what makes them different. And then here's kind of what they're proud of. And then kind of it's like a narrative type of thing. So I think, I don't think there's a right way to do it. But certainly if you just do vanilla Q&A, it could get a little bit boring. Like if you see like 200 articles and it's the same, you know, one to 10 question about the same people. I mean, there's different ways you can do it. But certainly if, you, if you're, you know, time crunched, that was probably the quickest way to just, you know, post it as it is. Fix some grammar here and there and then uh, that's it. But, you know, we kind of go through this in the course. So it's a lot, you know, can't talk about this on the episode because it would go for like three hours, essentially, if we walk through the whole process too. So uh, that being said, you know, go get the course, uh, buildmyonlinestore.com. It'll be on the sidebar. And yeah. That's it from my side. So that's it for my side. Uh, once again, go to the website, buildmyonlinestore.com. Pick up Spotlight Marketing if you have a store already. Uh, we also have templates in the course and a special version where you can just hand it off to a VA or a team member that does marketing. Uh, we have a step-by-step -step instruction, you know, screenshots, videos of all the templates, how to get started, and also what you need to do as a business owner because the bulk of the work is in the first week where you need to kind of tell them what to do uh, in the sense of, you know, what keywords to target, what type of people to look for, and there is some trial and error until you find the right people and getting the mail merge set up, doing the outreach, things like that, getting all the questions templates, you know, changing the interview questions so it suits your business, things like that, you know. We have all these templates ready for you, so uh, go check it out and I'll stop being a salesman here. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other, so if this sounds like a cup of tea, 
make sure to check us out at BellmyOnlineStore.com slash Mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch up with you guys next week. Bye.